Want to go see your favorite college or pro team? Go to TickSplits. TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. Use promo code WAR and save 5% off on all purchases at TickSplits.com or on the TickSplits app. That's promo code WAR, W-A-R-R, for 5% off on great seats to all of your favorite events. Remember, TickSplits provides you with the same great seats, but without the service fees. That's TickSplits, T-I-X-V-L-I-T-Z.com. Visit today. Welcome to another fun-filled Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakeem McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0, S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan McGee on the IG. Make sure you follow, uh, download that Sports Zone Chicago app. You want to know why? Because we said so, that's why. And also, too, you can listen and watch any of our other five live shows throughout the week. If you have to miss them, you can go back and watch them and listen to them at your own leisure. Make sure you download the Sports Zone Chicago app today. Speaking of Sports Zone Chicago, you can follow them on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at Sports Zone Chicago. Once again, find Sports Zone Chicago on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You want to catch the audio version of this show, Second City Sports. You do so by subscribing to our podcast at War or Anchor. We are available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. Make sure you type this in your search engine boxes on those podcast platforms. You ready? W-A-R-R on Anchor. And you can follow War Media at W-A-R-R Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, at War Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun. And we have very definite opinions. You have any uh, definite opinions on any of our topics that we're going to cover on today's show during our two-hour extravaganza we call a Sports Talk Radio Show? You can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and or do something stupid, or as you young folks will say, at ignorant, I've given Lakina full boat to give you fools to build and be a boot. Bye-bye. I love what she says that. <laughs> Lakina, let's start off this show on Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago by discussing Chicago baseball. It was a bad weekend for both our teams in town. Let's start off with the hottest story in baseball, perhaps the Chicago White Sox. Uh, fate has dealt them another blow. Michael Kopech, who was the starter for yesterday's game, went out the game after slipping on the mound, not once but twice after 13 pitches, tried to uh, throw a, a pitch to get back into the ball game, but he threw the baseball on the ground and he left the game. It was reported he has right knee soreness. He could possibly make his start next Sunday night at Houston on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball, which could be another disaster, but we'll discuss later. Another crushing blow, Tony La Russa was booed again on Saturday afternoon. Fired Tony Chance were heard throughout the behind the White Sox dugout and spread it throughout the ballpark for two minutes like wildfire. The White Sox are currently 27-31, 14-6 and 
four games under 500 with an important three-game series at Detroit. Has the ship sinking deeper for the White Sox, or could the season be saved? Lakina, I'll let you have the floor first. Yeah, I think – yeah, I'm going to go jump right in here because I know you're going to go into a long tangent. I don't want to – you know, don't want to jump in and not have a chance to talk. So, as far <laughs> as the White Sox are concerned, you know, look, if you lose to a, a Texas team, you, you could have easily been swept – and then you have another injury of Michael Kopech. Now it looks like it, it doesn't look as serious, but you know here goes another blow for the White Sox. Then you got the you know the you know the fire, you know, lose a chance and everything else, and it's just everything is just starting to go haywire. You can blame the injuries, fine, but this this team, as some we've seen some people say on Twitter, this core is just is starting to show that it's not good enough. And you hate to say that, but maybe that's the case. You can't, we're going into mid-June. You can't play the whole, well, you know, it's because of injuries. Yeah, I mean, yeah, some of it is injuries, but a lot of it is also, too, because this core is not good enough. Guys are not producing. You know, Makata got hurt again. And it's sort of one of those things where, yeah, yeah, Jake Berger's keeping you guys afloat. Look, you guys are probably in a worse spot than you are now if Jake Berger hadn't been clutch, you know, with the hitting and such. But it still didn't end up not being you know, enough for them. You know, they lose an extra those last couple of games against the Rangers and extra innings. If you play the Detroit team, that's actually, you know, sort of in the same boat as the Rangers. They're good. You know, they're not great. They've got some young, good young, you know, core stars. And, of course, you got Mel- Melky Cabrera, too, who's still producing. You know, the White Sox at this point, I know uh, Bustle only during the um the Sunday Night Baseball game against, you know, with the Mets and the Angels last night saying that, you know, saying that we already know about uh, – you know, Jerry Reiser wanted to, because you know, he owed Tony La Russa, because he felt bad about what happened 30 plus years, 35 years ago, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, again, you get to a point where maybe it's it's the core. Maybe it's La Russa. The game is passing by. It's all those things sort of rolled up into, into one. And at this point, you know, someone's got to, some things got to come to a head here. And I don't think La Russa's not going to get fired. I know, you know, White Sox, some White Sox fans will say, hey, look, let's wait till everybody gets back healthy. Okay, well, this team wasn't playing well when they weren't healthy. When they were healthy, so they weren't hitting, and the pitching, and the comedy of the errors, uh, especially those last couple of games against the Rangers this past weekend. So it, it, it's sort of like something's got to give here, and I, and I feel like I don't know what it is, but something, you know, something just has to come to a head here. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition, right here on Sports on Chicago. We're live and in living color. Second City Sports, Sid looking here with you, discussing the Chicago White Sox. Looking as um, many of you well know, if you follow me on the Twitter, I'm a season ticket holder. I was there for both games over the weekend. Uh, I want to start off with Saturday's game. Was it the uh, the best play? No, but the Sox somehow got out to a five nothing lead. They were trying to build momentum off of what happened on on Friday night. Uh, scoring five runs in the eighth inning to take that game, which turned out to be the only game of that series. Uh, but in the bottom of that tenth inning, there on Saturday, uh, one of the fans that I was talking to behind me he said, "Do I hear some type of fire Larusa chance?" Because I wasn't paying attention. It was uh, it was a mound visit, so I was looking around, uh, and, you know, just uh, uh, watching how the fans reacted. I thought they were saying blank Tony Larusa. In which I wouldn't mind it either, but <laughs> but there was chanting fire, Tony, fire, Tony, and uh, that cheer spread it throughout the ballpark like wildfire. It only lasted about another minute or two, but the the fans' voices I've heard. I, I now wait till I got home to catch the replay, and uh, you could tell that Steve Stone and Jason Benetti on the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast. Steve Stone said the best of thirty plus thousand fans. Uh, they um, they were very unhappy uh, that. 
they couldn't hide the message of, of what the White Sox fans were saying. And then, of course, Dave Raymond, the TV voice of the Texas Rangers, said, wow, they were even shocked by this. Of course, we're not going to go through the what uh, Tony La Russa uh, did with, uh, against the Dodgers. We covered it on our last show on Friday. But it has not been a good week for Mr. La Russa. It has not been a great season for him. But that being said, Lakina, something must be done. Uh, let's be realistic. They're not going to fire him. And I uh, and I saw this tweet from a couple people last night. The Atlanta Braves were on the same were on the same course last year. Of course, they made some deals at the deadline, and of course, Robert, Robert Acuna Jr. was interested. That was part of it. But they made some deals at the deadline. They took off and they won the whole thing. Like, you know, I've been saying this for weeks. You cannot depend on the 2007 Colorado Rockies type run to get into the playoffs. You can't depend on what the Braves did last year. Okay, I know there's some templates there, and someone else said too that the Washington Nationals in 2019 they were in 19 and 30 before they won it all in 2019 mm-hmm. over the Houston Astros. The White Sox they just they're a good six seven game winning streak away from getting back in the scene. The Minnesota Twins are six games ahead. I think that's the most they've been ahead of the White Sox all season long. But I, I, as we said before, Minnesota's not a great team. I don't see them dominating this division, but the White Sox don't take care of their business. Uh, what I just said will be for, uh, forgotten or not. Yeah, and I see our um, buddy, uh, your hoodie from uh, ESPN 1000. Shout out Jay team, Hood. Yeah, seeing that the team is just banged up and the depth isn't very good. It's disappointing mm-hmm. so far. I mean, okay, yeah, the team's banged up, but how many times can you use that excuse, though? At this point, it's sort of comical that you can say, oh, well, it's injuries. It's got, you know, you, we've seen teams still produce and still show the depth that, you know, hey, you can overcome those things. But again, mm-hmm. you know, this team is showing at least so far that, look, they were struggling even before all these injuries. So it's, it's definitely one of those things. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the Twins, you know, yeah, they're not going to run away for the vision. They struggled. They had their struggles over, over the weekend. So the, the Guardians as well, who are now going to be competing against, you know, they're now they've someone ahead of them. But yeah, I mean, look. Okay, yeah, eight or nine game win streaks. Okay, great. When when is that going to happen? And I, I and close it before because I want to get to all the rest of stuff stuff, stuff in baseball. I don't want to go you know too in depth into this, but I I feel like at this point, okay, what what what's going to be the thing here that turns this team around? You thought that maybe playing the Rangers would probably you know sweep. You know they ended up losing the series and everything else. Detroit, I know it's been kind of a house of horrors for them so far this year up there. Maybe that could turn something, but. Who knows? But something's got to happen here because if not, look, we're going, you know, the trailer deadline's going to be here before you know it. And I don't know, Rick, they don't have a lot of depth in the farm system to, you know, get you know, get rid of guys and who you're going to need to go take guys. So at, at this point, and I, I just, you know, again, okay, you don't want to say that they don't have a shot because they do. But again, mm-hmm. it, it isn't, you're, it's kind of, it's getting tiresome at this point. Yeah, winning will cure most of these things, right, Lakina? And, and and that's what the Sox need to do. They should start to uh, need to start winning some games in a row, taking series, and, and start being the teams within your division. And it starts tonight at Detroit. I know Lance Lane is supposed to make his season debut tonight. Dillis sees tomorrow, and I don't know who's going to pitch on Wednesday in that getaway game of the afternoon. But the White Sox have a golden opportunity to take three games here for Detroit before you head to Houston for over the weekend. So the White Sox can't make up hay here. Remember last year, Lakina, we talked about the depth of the White Sox team. We uh, they did the job this year. It's not just the depth, but it's the, everybody after that six six to two start has been pressing, and and that's a, that's another thing that's been not been talked about as much. This team is pressing. You can't get back in the game by hitting a home run 
uh, when you're down five nothing. It only counts for one run. This team has got men on base, but they just can't get them across home play on a consistent basis. That's what needs to change. As we said, the starting pitching has been good. The bullpen's been shaky here as of late, but you start got to start uh, scoring runs consistently across the plate. They start to do that this weekend, but you just can't keep other teams off the scoreboard. And the errors, too. That's also been mm-hmm. a killer for them as well. So we'll get to the, that, but yeah, I want to get to the Cubs for a second. Uh, the Cubs have now lost six in a row. They were swept by the Yankees. Uh, batting practice those last couple of games, you know, for the, you know, for the, the you think? against the Cubs. Um, you know, I think Aaron Judge had like about, like, about like 10 home runs. No, I'm kidding. He probably had, mm-hmm. he had like three. Um, Matt Carpenter, you know, had a field day in this series, you know, like, against the Cubs. And, you know, six hits with the, uh, and five of those have been home runs. Mm-hmm. It was like, they had like five home runs yesterday, I think. So, you know, it, it's just, it's just like, I, I know. I mean, I've heard like some college fans are sort of, I don't know how our buddy Jason Pfeiffer feels about it, but I'm, I'm wondering, you know, do you, well, what, what can be done? I mean, look, I, I, you hear Rossi's comments. I don't think he's not the problem. The talent just isn't there. I mean, yeah, you could, yeah, you got, you know, you got Ian Happ, you got Contreras is still there. Of course, you know, Hayward, Hayward actually had a home run during the series. You got, you know, Chris Romarell. You know, I know Seiya Suzuki's been up and down with injuries mm-hmm. and such, among others. Um, you know, Nico Horner and, and such. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, I don't know. I think ownership. My nickname I know some people are saying maybe ownership needs to take some of the blame here for not spending the money. But uh, I don't want, like I said, I don't want to get too involved into the cuts because there were so many other good things that happened over mm-hmm. the weekend. But it's like you know, I, I don't know. It's like the. This could be a long, like, rebuild, if you will. And I don't even know what direction. I think Cubs fans don't know what direction they're going to go with the with the rebuild either, quote-unquote, so. Yeah, let's be honest here. We talked about this all year, Lakina. This is a rebuild, even though GMJ Hoyer won't tell you Cubs fans that. Let's be real. This is a rebuild, and we talked about this before as well. Which players will be on this team in the next two to three years when this Cubs team start are, are starting to contend? We, we don't know who they are. We, we might know a couple of people, like you mentioned, Nico Horner and, and some of the other couple of young guys, possibly Ian Happ, but Frank Schwindel, Patrick Wisdom, they, um, they weren't heard from as far as their bats were concerned in this series over the weekend in New York. And we saw the difference between a team that's destined to win the World Series and a team that is rebuilding. That's the only thing I take away from this series, Lakina. Aaron Judge, uh, John Carlos Stan, Matt Carpenter, the former St. Louis Cardinal, he had two home runs and seven RBI yesterday. The Yankees' bats are good, but their starting pitches was carried them through. Uh, Gary Cole, who did not pitched a pitch in a series against the Cubs. You saw what Jordan Montgomery did on Saturday night. Nessa Cortez is having a good year, possibly your American League starting the All-Star game. So the Yankees uh, are all around are a very good team. They are putting it together right now. The Cubs are still trying to find themselves. Yeah, and it's definitely – you're, you're seeing it at this point, and I don't know I don't know what to tell Cubs fans. I mean, look, you want to kind of be right there in the cusp of 500 by the end of the season, but – you know, at this point, you can see you saw this series, the haves and the have nots. Mm-hmm. You know, you got the, yes. the Yankees, you know, with all their hitting, you know, powerful hitting. And yeah, their, their pitch has been a little suspect, but, you know, playing the Cubs can heal that, heal that wound there. And also to the Cubs, you just don't know where they're going to go. So, and, you know, going back to the White Sox for one second, I know uh, Hoodie said that, you know, they've had their starting lab attack zero times. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. It, well, yeah, that that's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but the problem is, is that, you know, La Russa has, you know, touted out Sunday lineups with mostly minor league guys. So in that instance, sort of, yeah, they've had an attack, but you know, they're not producing. There's no cohesiveness. So 
I don't know, but uh, so what what caught your eye this weekend in MLB? Oh, the San Francisco Giants sweeping away the hated rival Los Angeles Dodgers. I had the chance to check out some of the games over the weekend, in particular the Saturday game on Fox, while most of the country was uh, intoxicated with that Yankees throbbing of the Cubs. Yours surely watched the Dodgers and the Giants in its entirety. Shout out to Adam Amin, Bulls TV voice. He's the second baseball voice over there on Fox. It was him, AJ Persinski, and Eric Harris, a former Dodger and former Cub, by the way, all three. You could, as we said before, the kid before the season started, the San Francisco Giants were going to sneak up on people. It looks like they finally start to turn their season around a little bit. Uh, you saw how they won last year with clutch hitting and starting pitching. That was the formula they used this weekend to beat the Dodgers. Now, if you're a Dodgers fan, could should you be concerned? Yes, but it's not time to jump off the cliff. Uh, the Dodgers were uh, the Dodgers are still a good team, but the San Francisco Giants just played better. They executed better over the weekend. That's thus completing the three game sweep sweep at home. Yeah, this is the third time, the third time this season that they were shut out. Yeah, they were, uh, they were down. Uh, they we had lost two nothing in that uh, rubber match on Sunday, and they were shut out, you know, five times in the last season, and this is their already their third. So I'm like, I'm not, you know, too worried. I think Dodgers fans are already freaking out over nothing, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, like the Giants need this need this series mm-hmm. more than the Dodgers Dodgers did. So and the Padres lost two of their three in their series over the weekend. So. I, I think look, you're still number, you're still in first place, so not too worried about that. Now Atlanta, they've won 11 in a row, and well, I mean, you know, that's tied with the Astros and the Yankees for the longest win streak by any team this year. And also, to Adam Duvall recorded his 11th career multi-home run game, his first of the season. So it is definitely you know, the Rays are starting to kind of get together a little bit. Now the only problem is that the Mets, the Mets have became the first team to reach 40 this year. And this is the quickest they've done that in their history after the 86 um, Mets who got to 40 games, you know, just as long, uh, less of a time. And, and they actually, of course, went on to win the World Series. So, again, you, you could take that, you know, however you will, in their 56th game of the year. So what do you think of, what do you think about the this weekend with the Mets and such? 52nd, uh, 52nd game for the, uh, 62nd second game, I should say, for the Mets um, reaching to 40, be, becoming you know, reaching their 40 went up mark. Uh, congratulations to the Mets. As we say, looking, they've been um, ne- uh, the next best team next to the Yankees all year in Major League Baseball. They're doing something the White Sox can't do is beat uh, teams with lowly records. And so we talked about this before, Lakin. You can't rely on just one player to carry your team. It's been a total team effort. I know DeGrom is still injured. He's supposed to be back soon. And you also uh, had the other pitcher go down, Max Scherzer, who started off strong, but he got injured too. But there's been other guys that have been picking it up. Pete Alonzo, uh, the Panda Berries, one of the league leaders in RBIs. So the Mets still had the offense also. Francisco Lindori, it looks like he settled in uh, at second base up, uh, up there in New York. So Buck Showalter has really made a huge difference with that team. Remember last year, Lee Keenan, we were talking about them perhaps making the playoffs. We saw what happened after that Javi Baez trade. Last year, the things went downhill along with the injuries to Jacob DeGrom. So this year, uh, they and they suffered uh, some minor setbacks, but that team has kept on rolling. You, you have to credit, first of all, manager Buck Walter for that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we'll see if the Mets can keep it up. I mean, we've seen, you know, sometimes they, they go into a hot start and then they, you know, they sort yeah. of sink. So like, you know, close souffle and plus the you know, Atlanta's, they won 11 in a row too. So. They've been able to kind of keep Atlanta at bay, at least so far. The Phillies, you know, their 10-game uh, win streak, you know, was over. And, of course, they get, mm-hmm. you know, 
they get shut out. Well, not not shut out, but they get you know throttled by the Diamondbacks of all teams. So I guess someone said that that's actually sort of a microcosm of the Phillies season. So, but look, they had a nice uh, they had a nice run, and uh, hopefully they can kind of you know keep, you know sort of keep it up and still be right there for at least a wild card, if not for the AL East. Yeah, uh, staying with the American League, the Cleveland Guardians take three out of four from Oakland. And that's what uh, that's what uh, good teams are supposed to do against bad teams. Unlike the White Sox, <laughs> you you take advantage of a lowly opponent. That's what Cleveland did at home over the weekend. Also, to the Toronto Blue Jays, uh, they mashed the Detroit Tigers, uh, winning that series two games uh, to one in in Motown. But the Houston Astros, if you're an Astros fan, I, I wouldn't worry. He had a uh, a rare bash showing at home, losing two out of three to the Miami Marlins. But uh, that AL West, uh, unless Seattle makes a a big move. Uh, the AL West title is Houston's. We said coming into the season, it, it would take a slight step back by not resigning Carlos Correa, but they're still a very good Houston team, and they're showing that so far this season, despite the minor hiccup over the weekend. Yeah, I think look, Houston will be fine. I mean, Toronto's yeah. a good team. I mean, yeah, Toronto's a good team, so I'm not too worried. I, I know uh, some... I know Astros fans were a little bit antsy because they lost, but look, people forget how how good of a team Toronto is. So it is, it's well, not not Toronto, I should say. Uh, who who was the Houston played? I forgot. The Marlins. Uh, who? The Marlins. The Marlins. Yeah, I mean the Marlins. They got some decent decent players. So it's not mm-hmm. like you know. I know they've they've had some, you know Chaz Chisholm. Is, yeah, you know is one of you know really one of the young players on that squad. So yeah, it, it's fine. So I wouldn't worry too much if you're. The Astros, if you're an Astros fan, so don't worry about that. Real quick, I know we're running, we're up against mm-hmm. it. Um, some of the games for this series coming oh, up. Oh, one more team to keep your eye on in America League, real quick. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays, even though they had a hiccup over Minnesota over the weekend, they lost two or three. I think Tampa Bay would still be right there for a playoff spot in the AL in a competitive AL East. No, I think they're like, they're like three teams and, they, and uh, Toronto, Tampa, you got to think Boston might still have a shot. So. Yeah. It's definitely, it's like I said, it's going to be one of those, especially with three wildcard teams this year. There's definitely mm-hmm. all three of them might, or at least two might come from the, uh, that division. So that's probably what's going win. to end up happening. <laughs> Atlanta and Washington uh, with, uh, you know, this going with, to the, uh, the games, the series that are coming up this week, Miami and Philadelphia, Philadelphia will try and get back on you know, after, you know, losing, you know, getting their 10 game win streak snapped by the diving bats, uh, Baltimore and Toronto. That should be an interesting series. Mm-hmm. White Sox start their series against Detroit. We'll see how they do. And uh, Pittsburgh and St. Louis, that should be an interesting one as well in the NL Central. Houston and Texas, Battle of Texas, always fun when those two teams play each other. The the Cubs start their series against the Padres. They actually won two out of three against the Padres last time they were at Wrigley's, the last time time they played over out in San Diego. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we kind of take that for what it's worth. Cincinnati and Arizona, Kansas City and San Fran, and also to Minnesota as they start their – West Coast trip, they started against Seattle. Yes, and of the series, there will be starting um, this week, um, uh, starting tomorrow, Tampa Bay at the New York Yankees. They'll be the Tuesday highlight game on TBS that starts at 6.05 p.m. Of the series that starts tomorrow, we have Milwaukee at New York to take on the Mets, Oakland at Boston. And right. we'll have Cle- Cleveland uh, uh Cleveland traveling to Colorado to take on the Rockies in the battle of the Orange County series, the interleague play between the Angels and the LA Dodgers. 
<laughs> that should be a fun. That should yeah. be a fun one too. That's always interesting. Well, quite two game series for those two teams. Yeah. So even though that that should be an interesting one uh, between those two teams. Actually, that first game will be at nine ten tomorrow on TBS. That's a later game, and also to the mm-hmm. Rays and the Yankees. The first game of that, you know, TBS Tuesday doubleheader. That those that's your doubleheader, and that's your that's those are your games coming up this week. Some really good ones here in the MLB. Uh, as we take a break, we got a lot to do still on Second City Sports. The Stanley Cup final is set. Also, to a pivotal game five coming up tonight. Our buddy Josh Hicks from War, I'll call you War Meal, will be joining us as a preview. That that game, Rory, you know, gets back into the winner's circle in Canada and you know, warming up for the U.S. Open, and so much more coming up. A lot to do still, and yeah, we're gonna bring it to you coming up next and. And that's pretty much about it. That's how we do it here on Second City Sports. And <laughs> we're gonna, well, no, because I, no, I know some people are kind of wondering, like, what this is what we do here. So, Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago, and we will be right back. Along with Sid, I'm Lakina. We're gonna get it, go talk some NBA and NHL final coming up right after this. At a time when the news seems as subjective as the partisan politics divide in this country, independent professional journalism has become the resource people need to get the honest and accurate information for their lives. That's why I created jquinnreports.com. As a born and raised Chicago, I know this city better than anyone. So my investigative stories are all original, and they'll go deeper to expose the truth by using information obtained from public information databases in in-depth interviews with the leaders and shapers. My future stories will introduce you to people and businesses who are changing the world, not just Chicago. My missing person stories will spotlight those who you don't hear about in the mainstream media who are often overlooked. If you want to hear my personal views on things around the world, check out my blog site, which is based off of factual information and my life experiences. There's also past episodes of my weekly sports podcast show, What's Up Cuz, that I host with my real-life cousin, Lance Irvin. So if you're looking for all this information and more, check out jcoinreports.com and follow me on Twitter at jcoin.
Welcome back to Second City Sports. We're live in Living Color on the Monday edition right here on Sports Zone Chicago. I'm Sid Deslakina. If you want to follow us on social media, you can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's SIDKID80. SIDKID80. Follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Scrum McGee on the IG. We have less than 90 minutes left of this extravagance. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Lakina, let's get into some NBA Finals talk. Game 5 is tonight from San Francisco at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on ABC. The best of seven series is titled by two games apiece. The Golden State Warriors, as we told you on Friday, at least you surely did. <laughs> they got the victory over the Boston Celtics in Beantown, 107 to 97. Steph Curry exploded for seven, for 43 points, had a big second half. Lakina, it was a tight game all the way, but the Boston Celtics, after Marcus Smart, RIP Tom Heisen, after Marcus Smart three pointed with over five minutes left to go, the Celtics only scored three points the rest of the way. The Warriors took over down the stretch, thus coming out with a big victory on the road. Yeah, and I think they needed that desperately. And look, if you're a Warriors fan, this is sort of what you want. There are now tied for most finals wins by an all-NBA trio, of course. You know, that 19 with, of course, Craig Thompson, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green. They are now tied with Tony Parker, Tim Duncan, and Manu Ginobili. They're both at 19. Both those trios are at 19 right now. And as we've been saying, this you know this whole you know series long no one's gonna run away with this series no one got swept and of course you would have been a travel day they get the extra day off so remember the two two one 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 format mm-hmm. now again you know of course step you have 43 points i mean i think he's the just the second guy to do that you know over the age of 35 yeah the second oldest to do that at 34 um and 88 it will at the time 88 days of course a couple of days have been added you know, also to you know only trail lebron who did it who averaged you know, had 40 and 10 during the bubble uh the bubble final if you will, people were calling it that back in 2020 so you know steph is still doing it as a high level at his age now he also had no look but then again he had help clay Thompson hit some big shots mm-hmm. andrew wiggins had some uh hit some big shots jordan Poole, you know and also do defensively, they were actually able to kind of you know stifle uh, the Celtics defensively against number one. You know, Celtics are supposed to be number one defense in the NBA. The fact that they were able to kind of combat all that and you know shooting thirty five percent from three and getting those you know good looks and such and and you know Steph shooting from you know Brookline where the U.S. Open is going to be this weekend. <laughs> so you know I, I think he showed you that look he's still one of the top players you know in the nba especially during the playoffs i i think i think the last person to do that to, to score 40 plus against a number one you know rated defense i think it was elgin baylor like way back when with the lakers back in like the late like the early like early 70s i think so it, it, it's been a while now as for the celtics i mean look you, you got contributions from you know tatum had 23 Jalen brown had 21 i know marcus smart had 18 uh Derek white you know had 16 off the bench but they need more Al Horford, he just kind of showed a little bit of fountain of youth. He only had eight points on Friday's game. Robert Williams was the third. You got to wonder, is this sort of, is he starting to kind of get a little bit fatigue and such? So, and also too, like more, more guys off the bench. You know, he, you know, Uduka did not play a lot of his guys off the bench. So you have to, that played a factor as well. So it, it's definitely sort of like, this is a pivotal game five. 
Now, I don't necessarily know whoever whoever wins game five tonight will end up taking control of the series, but it'll give you that momentum going into trying to clinch it on Thursday. Yeah, just a couple of the uh, tidbits and nuggets from game four. You mentioned Andrew Wiggins earlier. He had 17 points to go along with 16 rebounds. He had a couple of offensive rebounds and putbacks late in the game for the Warriors to put it away. So I thought there was key there. Not too many people are talking about. We talked about him on the last couple of shows, Lakina, as uh, him accepting the challenge from assistant head coach Mike Brown to, to step up defensively in key spots this year. He's done that, but uh, he brought it in game four uh, on Friday with, with the 17 and 16. I want to talk about Draymond Green, Lakina. Ever since game two, even though the Warriors won that game, uh, Draymond's been affected by the officials. We all know that he toasts the line. He brings that extra edge. And he He's an agitator. And he's a, someone, if he's on your team, you like him. If you're playing against him, you hate him. But uh, he's really been affected these last couple of games. He only had nine rebounds in 33 minutes on Friday night. Only scored two points. But Steve Kerr at times had has benched Draymond Green. Let's see if Draymond Green can get the message and not do anything stupid to cost this team uh, a ball game. I'm not saying it was Draymond Green's fault that they lost uh, game three, but uh, game four, uh, he, you could tell he, he was basically a non-factor if it wasn't really for Steph Curry. It's 43 points and Klay Thompson's clutch shots down the stretch. The Warriors will be down 3-1 right now. Yeah, and I think that's definitely that was definitely the key, trying to Maybe perhaps you know, that that's why. Thank God for Stephanie's performance with 43 points. The fact that yes, the Warriors could easily be down three to one, but you know, again, the Celtics missed a lot of you know open looks too. And you know, it's definitely one of those things where they need more depth off the bench. And I think you know Grant Williams and you know Derek White. Derek White's actually been very consistent as you know production. Peyton Pritchard, they only had one point, but had turnover. But they need. He needs to play his guys. I don't know if it's because he doesn't trust his bench guys or that maybe he feels like with the the way the Warriors play defense, I think they need to get the shooters, you know, to do, you know, some of the, you know, the, the guard the guard them as well. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know, but I I feel like at, at you know this juncture is really gonna this is all gonna depend on who produces and such, both the you know, the role players and the stars. Draymond has to step up. He's he's he didn't step up again. Now you can blame the officiating and whatnot, but you still got to produce somehow. And you have to, and you know, also too, I mean, we'll see how, especially now it's going to be back in the Bay Area tonight, who's going to be kind of like that. Will we see that Draymond that we saw in the previous, you know, championship teams with the Warriors and such? You know, will Gary Payton the second who's starting to kind of find his rhythm a little bit? Will he have a, will he have a breakout game tonight? So there's still a lot of things can happen. And like I said before, I don't know who, I don't know if like whoever wins game five tonight will get the, sort of have that momentum as they try to clinch it on Thursday, but this will definitely kind of get you right there into that advantage. You're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you talking NBA Finals Game 5 is tonight at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Standard Time on ABC. The game will take place in San Francisco between the Golden State Warriors, the Boston Celtics series tied at two games apiece. Coming up at the top of next hour, our guy Joshua M. Hicks, a recent graduate from DePaul University, and he works with us at War Media. He's going to join us to uh, give his thoughts about uh, the series thus far, and uh, he's going to give his thoughts, uh, his preview on the Game 5 action that's going to take place tonight. Lakina, I'll give you a number. You ready? As we talk mm-hmm. about the Boston Celtics, 65. 65 is the total total points that Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Martin must score for the Celtics to win. 
Now, I, I know many experts I was listening to this morning has picked the Celtics to win tonight. And, I, I, and it's a good reason why I believe they're 7 0 after a loss, and it's been a seesaw battle throughout this series. The Celtics win the first game, the Warriors win the second game. The Celtics win the third game, the Warriors win the fourth win game number four. And so many experts expect the Boston Celtics to pick it up tonight. Now, do the can the Celtics do the Celtics have, have confidence? Yes, they do. But uh, it seems like game one has been uh, it's been a long time, and, as, and since the Warriors have picked it up, it looks like the Boston Celtics have has have been chasing a little bit, despite what happened on Friday in Game Four. The Celtics just couldn't close it out. Now you talk about Jason Tatum, and he, the first time he's had uh, uh, he's been three games in a row since he's had uh, uh, had twenty plus points after starting a horrendous in Game One. You know, he's only shooting over barely over 34% for the series. That must improve mm-hmm. tonight. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it really did. Yeah, it has to, because that's not, if, especially if, like I said, everyone has to step up. People, you know, I think Clay needs to step up a little bit more. I think, you look, especially if Steph doesn't have a good shooting uh, shooting game tonight. And look, I, you know, Looney has to step up. Like, like I said, I think it's all, look, everyone's going to have to step up, especially because this is a pivotal game five. So it's going to be interesting to see who who does that. Will it be the more seasoned, you know, experienced Warriors, or will it be kind of like the Celt- the scrappy Celtics team that's number one in defense? So I don't know. I mean, but I think look, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Tatum, they could mm-hmm. probably do a little bit more. Like I said, their bench needs to get more involved to the Celtics bench. So there, there's like I said, there's a lot of parameters. That, and I don't, I don't know if this will be answered tonight. Mm-hmm. Like I said, whoever wins this will probably will get that chance to clinch it on Thursday. But again, so many weird things have been happening in this series, and I, I just feel like. Nothing would surprise me at this point, whatever happens. <laughs> but you know, uh, but again, I mean, you know, this is one of those NBA finals where you're just like, okay, I don't know what's gonna happen. See, here's the thing for the Boston Celtics tonight. Can you survive the third quarter run of the Golden State Warriors? The last couple of games, the answer has been no. Will will the answer be yes tonight? Uh we'll see. But the Boston Celtics uh, uh must play almost turnover free ball uh, ball game tonight. It's not gonna be possible, but they gotta limit their turnover, still get after it defensively. But someone else is gonna have to step up to help out Jason Tatum scoring right. So like I said, Lakina, I'll say this one more time. 65 points between Tatum, Brown, and Smart. If they can get those three combined to score 65 points or more, they'll win. And Derek White, his even though he had the his performance was out of this world in game one. He still has to come and, and, and spark that energy off the bench for the Celtics. As you mentioned, Ime Adoka doesn't uh, play more than two guys, sometimes three, off his bench. So we'll see what happens with the Celtics tonight. They they got to avoid the, the silly turnovers. Uh, don't get into the mind games of Draymond Green. Let him continue to um, uh, crap himself down his pants, uh, <laughs> being light about that statement. But, you know, staying within your game uh, uh, and stay with – within yourselves and do not let the Warriors get off in that third quarter because if you do, you're in trouble. Especially since they're at home. They always they exactly be more dangerous when they're at home. So if they go to that have that you know that massive third quarter run like we know they mm-hmm. can do, you're not gonna be you may not be able to catch up now. You did catch up in game one. I think that's probably like the one mm-hmm. sort of you know consolation there. But at the same time though you wonder, like, okay, what what's going to be kind of the end game here? So, like, it'll be interesting to see what happens here because I I feel like I, like I said, I don't think question. There's no one's going to run away with this series. I think it's it's going to go seven. I think the Warriors will end up winning it. I, I think whoever wins tonight will probably the other team will probably win on you know on on Wednesday on Thursday I should say, and we'll be back on Sunday for talking about a game seven, perhaps. 
Well, if you're the NBA, you want that. <laughs> because I don't know what how the ratings have been for these first couple of games of the final finals, but if it goes seven, uh, uh the people have been haven't been tuned in to watch it, they'll watch the uh, the last couple of games of this series. Yeah, we'll just see what happens there. Listen to Second City Sports on Sports No Chicago, Sunday Brown, Lakina McGee with you. Uh, the Warriors will be losing the one of their top assistants as Kenny Atkinson has agreed to be, you know, to become the Hornets' next head coach, according to ESPN and some of the other other networks. Of course, yes, he went 118 and 190 when he was with the Mets. I still with the Nets, I should say. And I feel, but I still feel like he got a raw deal with the Nets. I'm mm-hmm. sure Nets fans would love to have him back. But uh, like I said, that's a really good young, you know, core nucleus in Charlotte. With the mellow and the game, the mellow ball in the game, and I, I, I feel mm-hmm. like he's kind of like that right guy that can kind of get that team to the next level. I feel like, yeah, we you saw what he did before Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were brought there a couple of years ago. He had all those young guys on the Brooklyn Nets with Karis Levert and Jared Allen, who became an All Star this year with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I know Karis Levert is back in uh, what with them. The Cavaliers as well. Yes. He was acquired by them at the trade deadline. But you saw all those young guys, how they grew and played together as a team. Almost made the playoffs one of those years. So mm-hmm. Kenny Agerson is one of those coaches that, that can help guide the uh, guide the young guys along. And I expect them to do the same thing with Charlotte. Charlotte has been in the playing tournament the last couple of years. They just can't seem to get over the hump and, and get to the actual playoff field. We'll see what happens next year. But this is a good hire for Charlotte. Michael Jordan's actually – Making some smart moves as a as a head man for a franchise. <laughs> well, I think. Mm, I, well, do you think? I think some of it might be MJ, but I, I feel like this is what happened. This is sort of why you let Mitch Kupchak do his job because <laughs> yeah. this is his first rodeo. He's this is his you know first time with this. You know, he's been done it with various teams over the years. So, you know, I think there's definitely a more of a Atkinson. I mean, a much Mitch Kupchak higher than anything else, but. You know, a little like I said, we'll see how this goes. Like, like I said, I mean, they've got a, a good young nu- 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 nucleus there. I, I it's, you know, easy for me to say, <laughs> led by uh, the mellow ball. So I, I feel like this is sort of, you know, like they've been close, you know, to get into the playoffs the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. They just need kind of like that that person to kind of get them to the next level. You know, we got the mellow, we got Miles Bridges, Kelly Aubrey mm-hmm. Jr., Terry Rozier, among others. So the the, the core is there for the horn. They just need a, a, the, the right coach. And hopefully, you know, Atkinson is the right coach for them. Yeah, like you said, they have players. Also, PJ Washington's in up there as well. I know mm-hmm. Gordon Hayward's been uh, was injured off and on last year, but they have the pieces. Let's just hope they can put it all together. And I think they will to uh, to get into the playoffs next year. Even though the Eastern Conference is very competitive, as we saw this this past season, uh, it, it's going to get more competitive next year. And they, and they as long as they stay injury free. Uh, they should be able to make the playoffs and maybe possibly avoid that play-in tournament on like the last couple of years. Absolutely. So we'll see what happens uh, there. Um, you know, I wish I, well, I wish I, I could say that there's like Zach Levine rumors, but there hasn't really been any. They kind of died down a little. Oh, bit, I'm so. disappointed. <laughs> right. Well, you know, but yeah. So I, I, again, I'm sure there'll be some stuff that'll come out on on. You know, during the week, we'll talk about it on Friday, or you know. So, but yeah, well, we'll ask a lot. We'll ask our buddy Josh Hicks all that too in a few minutes. So, anything else? Because uh, we still got some time left. Anything else you kind of want to, you know, talk about before you know we go to break? Good, we got some time left. Uh, going back to the finals, Lakina. I just want to say about uh, the Boston Celtics. Uh, it was a, a great crowd. 
uh, um, watching it, obviously, from home. The, the last couple of games, their fans are very fired up. And it was great to see the nostalgia of the NBA Finals returning uh, to Boston. Uh, back back on to the court is what I really want to say. Robert Williams, who we talked about before, he's been uh, their impact player, especially defensively from the interior. Uh, uh, he's going to have to give it a little bit more tonight. I know that he's been struggling with uh, with that left knee injury uh, that's been affecting him since the end of the regular season. Uh, it, it's going to be on coach head coach uh, Imike Udoka how many minutes that he's going to play tonight. I know he, Williams played 31 minutes on Friday. Uh, he only had 12, 12 rebounds and four points. But do you think that he's that coach Udoka is going to play him at least 25 minutes? It depends or depends on how the game goes. It's probably it's probably either how the game goes or even perhaps how his knee is. I mean, you can you can tell mm -hmm. he's still struggling with that knee injury. So, I don't know. I mean, like I said, will he could he have a breakout game tonight? Since this is a pivotal game five, sure. But I think Yudoka might actually want to sort of you know do like he's been doing, kind of easing him, you know, easing mm -hmm. you know him in. So I don't know. It all depends on how the game goes. I mean, if it's a blowout, you know, either way, I think he'll probably you know keep him sort of at bay. But if it's sort of like if it's down to a wire. He might put him out there, so I don't know. And on the flip side for the Golden State Warriors, this player could be a, a definite X factor tonight. He had 14 points on Friday. He couldn't a couple of three-point shots in the fourth quarter. That's Mr. Jordan Poole out of the University of Michigan, the third-year man out of Michigan. He struggled from three-point range for two or seven, but uh, those two three-pointers in that fourth quarter was huge for the Warriors. I expect them to go for at least 20 points tonight. Uh, do you go over or under 20 points for uh, Mr. Poole tonight? I'll push. I'll, I, mean, I think he'll get 20 because I think okay. he'll definitely be pivotal, pivotal especially if it kind of goes to, goes out to a wire. So, like I said, we'll see what happens tonight. Um, so Zion Williams uh, at the, you know, still rehabbing from that, uh, from that foot injury. Uh, he was at a, a, a YFCA uh, youth camp, youth basketball camp in New Orleans, saying that he wants to be here. He said, you know, I do want to be here. That's no secret. I feel like I've I've stood on that when I spoke. He said, currently, this does not really have anything to do with that. It's just that me wanting to, you know, you know, kind of be a pillar of his community. Of course, you're doing a lot of community work and such. Do you believe him when he said that he wants to be wants to be in New Orleans? I think he's saying that just to save face right now, Lakina. I know that GM David Griffin is uh, is his hands are tied uh, in sort of speak right now. I'm sure they want to trade him, but outside of last season in that short 72 game season, you really don't have that much of a sample size on Mr. Williamson because he's been battling injuries ever since he was drafted three years ago. So I think how the how the Pelicans will do, they'll just let this play out, see how next season will start. For Zion and and the, the, the heaven forbid that the Pelicans struggle, they could trade him at the trade deadline or talk about this again next summer. But you saw what the New Orleans Pelicans did at the end of the regular season, making a big push to make it to the playoffs. They won their two games of the playing tournament. You, you saw they gave Phoenix all they had. They tired out Phoenix for Dallas to get rid mm -hmm. of them in, in the next round. But New Orleans can actually say now for Zion, if you change your mind, you don't want to be here. We actually have proof now that. We could do this without you in terms of making the playoffs and making some noise. We're not a championship level team, but uh, we could be successful without you. We actually have proof now. We're not just selling wolf tickets anymore. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that because I, I I feel like this is sort of one of those things where we may not – this might not be the last time we've heard of all this. So No, we're we'll just getting started with that. Yeah, I, know, I think the, the Pelicans – I think you know, the fact that they got to you know, as far as they did – you know, without no one really pushing the Suns to seven and everything else. So I, I feel like 
you know, this this could be one of those things where look, I think the Pelicans, I think they'll show you that they they really don't need Zion. But again, mm-hmm. we'll see uh what happens um there. Now seeing what else um we can talk about real quick, NBA wise anyway. Uh yeah, I mean, uh, he wants a uh, oh LeBron, LeBron, who is now a billionaire, thanks, you know, according to Forbes. Apparently now he wants to expand the you know, talk of expansion in the NBA and that he would be willing to lead a team in Vegas. Okay. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, <laughs> what do you think about that? First of all, he'll have to retire for good in order for that to happen. And number two, does he have to cash for? It? Yes, yes, he does, but he'll have to join the group to even purchase the team. We all know that professional sports uh, for, for ownership is a good old boys network where the rest of the of the owners club let LeBron James in. You can make an argument that LeBron James owns part of the league with his business partner, Rich Paul, running Clutch Sports. They have a, a bunch of NBA players along with other broadcasters and entertainers and, and whatnot. And so you can say that LeBron James owns part of the league already. But uh, if he wants to own an NBA team, uh, I don't have a problem with him winning. But the, the question is, uh, will the rest of the owners let let him in, in into the into the club? Because let's be honest here, a, a whole lot of owners are still upset with him what he did, uh, how he uh, maneuvered his way to Miami uh, a decade ago, and giving this new generation of players the the player empowerment that they so seek in, in what they're taking advantage of now. And look, it'll be interesting to see how he does, you know, running a team. I know you said he really wants to own a team in Vegas, but, you know, running a team and sort of, sort of some people say he probably been practicing it for like the last, like, decade, you know, with the things he's done with Miami and mm-hmm. now run out with the Lakers and, you know, Cleveland to some extent. But it's a different animal. And, you know, look, you can ask MJ. It's still, you know, very – it was still, like, very – you know, he's starting, she's just starting to kind of, you know, figure out what he's doing. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what he does. But I, I think at this point, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a pipe tree. And I'm not saying LeBron can't, you know, own a team. He can, look, he's more than capable. You know, he's a very smart uh, business guy. But it's, <laughs> it'll be interesting to see how this goes. But again, I mean, I'm sure he's already thinking about his post NBA career. But, you know, it'll be interesting to see what, how this goes. Yep, hour number one in the books, hour number two straight ahead as you're listening to the Monday edition on Second City Sports. We're live in the Living Color. Sid Lakini here with you. We'll kick off hour number two next with our buddy Josh Hicks, recent graduate of DePaul University and war media columnist. To give he'll give us his preview of game five of the NBA Finals between the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors, who will take control of the series. And will the series wrap up in game six or will are we headed towards the game seven? All that and much more on Second City Sports right here on Sports Zone Chicago. At a time when the news seems as subjective as the partisan politics divide this country, independent professional journalism has become a resource people need to get the honest and accurate information for their lives. That's why I created jquinnreports.com. As a born and raised Chicagoan, I know this city better than anyone. So my investigative stories are all original, and they'll go deeper to expose the truth by using information obtained from public information databases and in-depth interviews with the leaders and shapers. My future stories will introduce you to people and businesses who are changing the world, not just Chicago. My missing person stories will spotlight those who you don't hear about in the mainstream media who are often overlooked. 
want to hear my personal views on things around the world, check out my blog site, which is based off of factual information and my life experiences. There's also past episodes of my weekly sports podcast show, What's Up Cuz, that I host with my real-life cousin, Lance Irvin. So if you're looking for all this information and more, check out jcoinreports.com and follow me on Twitter at jcoin. Welcome back to hour number two of Second City Sports. We're live in living color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakeem McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow your truly on Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's SIDKID80. SIDKID80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Scrum McGee on the IG. We have less than 60 minutes left of this extravagance we call the Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in your questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. We continue our NBA Finals talk by bringing on our guy. We bring in your guy. He's from War Media. He's their sports columnist and a recent grad of DePaul University. Uh, we don't have a panel for him today. We have them all to ourselves. He's the one and only Mr. Joshua M. Hicks. Josh, welcome Yay! to the show. How are you, my man? Appreciate you guys. Love you guys as always. Thanks for the intro, Sid. But I got to give you the shout out because you're the one that's having fans taking pictures with you all over social media. Like, <laughs> right? <"That's laughs> well, you so- know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you very much. You know, it was um, even though the socks stunk it up over the week, it was nice to actually meet some of my um, some of my Twitter followers. So it's actually nice to see their faces match up their tweets and so. It, it was a good time, good time, good times. I'm, I'm pretty sure you gave them autographs as well. I would too if I was. <laughs> well, not at that level yet, but uh, we're getting there. We're getting there. You're gonna get there soon, enough, my friends. So. <laughs> um, let's talk about the NBA Finals before we uh, get to uh, the Game 5 preview tonight. Of course, the best of seven series is tied up at two games apiece between Boston and Golden State. What, is, what are your thoughts? Uh, the, uh, what, what have you observed through the first four games of this series? It's c- completely been a seesaw uh, chess match between these two teams. It has been, for me personally, the battle of the role players. Uh, when you look at the first few games, 
Um, the winners of each of those games, the role players of each team outplayed the opponent. And Boston Celtics role players have been tremendous throughout this uh, series, especially when you talk about the likes of Marcus Smart, uh, Derek White, uh, the, you know, Robert Williams. Those guys have been forces for this team. But the reality is there's reasons why they're stars, and that's why they're superstars. And the Golden State Warriors have a superstar in Steph Curry, who has been fantastic this whole series, especially in Game Four um, with the, with his uh, forty-three point performance. So I think the re- even though uh, Boston Celtics, great young team, they have a very strong core, very talented role players, and great def- and great defense combined with great offense. Um, the Warriors are more experienced; they have the rings to prove it. And they also have the stardom to prove it. And the superstars, uh, and their main superstar, has been taking things to the next level. And to a level that, quite quite frankly, we knew he could get. But he hasn't really lived up to consistently in the NBA Finals. This is the year where he's, where Stephen Curry is really putting his name, he's he's saying, put some respect on my name uh, as we we go through this NBA Finals. What what do you think is pivotal for both these teams to win this game five tonight? Because we've been talking, Sid and I were talking about just before he came on, that you know, both sides, you know, role players on both sides need to step up. So what do you think about that? I'm in agreement with that, but I also think the biggest key is turnovers. Uh, you have to limit turnovers, especially when the game slows down. Go to State Warriors, has, has, they have always had a problem with that, but it really amplifies uh, in the playoffs for them because of the fact that they play such a fast-paced game. Mm-hmm. And when they have played such a fast-paced game, that's when they're at their best. But it could also be their Achilles heel um, for teams like Boston, who is great at not just creating turnovers, but finishing on the other end and getting points off of those turnovers. Um, so for uh, Golden State, they definitely have to limit turnovers um, to, in order to keep things afloat for them and keep them at least with a striking dif- dis- distance of games. But for the Celtics as well, that's their Achilles heels too. Uh, when they when they uh, turn over the ball, Golden State is at their best when they, when they score off those turnovers. Um, and that is the last thing you want to do, especially with Golden State being such an experienced team that's been through pretty much every situation you can think of in an NBA Finals. Um, this is all that that's all that they need to get things running. And that's what happened in game four, which led to Steph Curry going nuts the way that he did. And then allowed, even though they didn't shoot the ball uh, per, uh, per se pretty uh, well, timely buckets from Klay Thompson in that fourth quarter coming alive to help seal the deal. Um, and key plays from other role players along the way, like Jordan Poole, to take things to that next level. So the key for both teams is turnovers, and I think whoever uh, has the less turnovers by the end of game five and even and for the rest of the series, nine times out of ten is probably going to win that game. We're talking NBA Finals with our guy Josh Hicks for more media right here on Second City Sports Live in Living Color for a Monday. Sailor King here with you on Sports Zone Chicago. Josh, I want to go back to Golden State and Draymond Green. Yours truly thought that he should have been kicked out of game two, but we all know that he toasts the line. He's an agitator. Uh, he's the, uh, the Warriors' emotional leader. It seems like the last two games uh, in Boston, he's, he's been the fact that I know Steve Kerr benched him a couple of times to uh, one of them. I think it was game three to start the fourth quarter, and not too many people saw that coming. Uh, what do you think that Draymond Green needs to do uh, tonight and for the rest of the series? Because even though he grabbed nine rebounds on Friday night in game four, it just seems like to me that his presence wasn't really there. He's really been rattled these last couple of games. I think the problem with Draymond, when you when you really think about it, is not is, is we we focus on the presence on his presence offensively versus what he truly is from a guilt from a skill set perspective. 
Draymond is not an offensive player. He can provide offensive scoring for, for an offensive ne uh, necessities per se, but he's not truly an offensive threat per se when it comes to scoring the ball. His role is facilitating the offense. His role is getting guys open through screens, and his role is making sure that uh, he, has, he he play mix correctly, um, combined with his defensive ability. So when you talk about defensively, he was he's been there, but in some ways inconsistent because he has more fouls than he has points all see all series long, which is a problem. However, offensively, he needs to be more aggressive and not in like just looking for his shot every once in a while per se. But in facilitating the offense and making the correct screens necessary to continue to get guys like Steph Curry and Klay Thompson open and make jump shots. Now it's up to those guys to make those jump shots. But Draymond has actually sort of been in and out. I don't want to say he's been non-existent, but you can say that uh, from a role perspective and what he brings to the table, in a lot of ways, has been some inconsistencies. And I think that's going to change in game five because when you get there, because for, for Boston, the worst thing was for you to do everything right and then you lose, especially on the defensive end, to 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 the uh, Golden State Warriors in ways that that wasn't out, that was pretty much outside of what you expect from Steph Curry, because Clay didn't have the best game, Jordan Poole didn't have the best game, Draymond Green didn't have the best game, and yet you still lost. And then you still lost. You going to go to back to uh, to the to San Fran in that Chase Center where the Warriors are known to win at home and be uh, and have pretty much their offensive flow come back at home. I don't know if you're going to be able to slow that type of team now, especially a championship team like the Golden State Warriors. This is going to be a huge game for uh, for the Boston Celtics to to hold on to and hopefully get the and you know potentially get the win out of. But I and I expect Draymond Green to come out of that slump in Game Five and take things to the next level for the Warriors. Would be surprised if that that happens. Now, what about Boston? I feel like I know Udoka doesn't like to use his bench so much. He didn't use in in Game Four. I know they you know, Grant Williams and I know Robert Williams has been struggling a bit with that knee injury. Do you see anybody from the South, especially a role play, perhaps maybe stepping up tonight? Derek White. Look out for Derek White. Um, he was key for uh, the Celtics in game four because of the fact that he made so many timely three pointers to keep them in the game. Um, but uh, but he's he not just off what he provides offensively, but he's a good high Q guy defensively as well. Um, I would expect him to step up and play a huge role to give the Celtics a chance because Celtics at home is completely different from Celtics on the road. And we know that um, if he brings what he, what we know he can bring to the table, it'll give them at least a better chance of winning because it's hard to beat Golden State on the road. So you want you want the best chance? I expect Derek White to be that guy that come to come uh, to step up to the plate and hopefully leave this uh, lead the role player in charge off the bench um, to help keep the, at least give the Celtics a chance to win the game. And sticking with the Celtics, Josh, Al Horford had a tremendous game one performance. Uh, he's been a shell of himself over these uh, the last three games. He only had 8.6 rebounds in 28 minutes on Friday. What do you expect out of him tonight? Uh, I know you're not going to say a game one type of performance. It'll be great, but uh, what do you ex realistically expect out of Al Horford tonight for the season? I expect, and I, I would expect more diversity. Uh, when I say that, um, versatility within his game that we know he can do. He's, he can step out to the three and make the three-point jump shot. He's also a force in the paint, but also a force defensively as well. Mm -hmm. um, Al Horford has struggled to shoot the ball as of late, obviously. Um, but if he can at least make down a couple of timely jump shots, and in some ways like he did in game four, that, that, that it, it gives hope for the Celtics. 
Um, obviously, we, I would hope that he has a better shooting performance for the Celtics to have a greater chance of winning. Um, but even though offensive, offensive scoring is not really his forte, he's mainly known as a defensive uh, presence along with an, and help us uh, screening in the pick and roll and with rebounding. If he does those things well and adds just a little bit of uh, sprinkle magic on that jump shot where he can make a couple mm-hmm. jump, couple threes here and there, that I think that'll be enough to help give the Celtics a good chance to win the game. Do you think who wins game five will end up winning the series? Yes, uh, I definitely do. Because um, nine times out of ten, I always I expected this series to go to seven games anyways. But along with the fact, aside from just matchups, exposure and experience is a whole other uh, element to the to the uh, finals uh, realm. And the Warriors have a lot have a lot more of that than the Celtics do. Um, and we knew that, and we knew that this was going to be a good series. There's going to be a, there's going to be a, a very physical, and the, the series was going to be extended in some way, shape, or form. But game five is going to be the key, especially now that the series is tied up. Because nine times out of ten, if you win game five, you have two chances to win in game six and game seven. And based on who you are, I'd rather go with the home court advantage than not have the home court advantage at all. So if Boston wins game five, they better win game six. Otherwise, they're in for a rude awakening. We're halfway home with our guy Josh Hicks for more media right here on Second City Sports Live and in Living Color on a Monday edition, right here on Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you. Say that five times fast. <laughs> Josh, let's let's go back to the Golden State Warriors and his impact on the floor ever since he debuted in game two has been uh, Gary Payne the second uh, on the defensive end. Uh, what do you expect out of him tonight? Because you could tell that the Warriors. Uh, they didn't have him in game one when they lost, but his his impact uh, on the floor has been tremendously felt uh, for this Golden State team. He knows his role, and he knows offensively he's not he's not going to be a go-to option offensively, but what he brings to the uh, – this defensive tenacity that he brings to the table defensively, hey, he got it from his pops. Pops taught him well. And yeah. uh, to be able to exploit that, uh, defensively, is what the Golden State Warriors need. They need defensive stoppers. They need that defensive presence, especially amongst the perimeter. Because they got two guys that, that on the wing that are under 25, but them boys can put up some buckets. So mm-hmm. to be able to do that, you need to be able to at least slow one of them down. And Gary Payton has been able uh, – Gary Payton II has been able to do that. If he maintains that, that within itself alone will ease the defensive responsibilities of the Warriors, per se, especially talking about guys like maybe Steph Curry – who needs a lot of that uh, a lot of that energy to, to promote on the offensive end. So just maintain what you're doing, man. If you continue to do what you're doing and continue to do what Pops told you well, you're not, you're not only going to be maybe one day defensive player of the year, but you're going to be a champion like your Pops too. So keep it. So let's, let's maintain that, man. Could, could happen this week too, actually. He <laughs> might get, get his ring this uh, this week. Um, let's go outside the, the NBA Finals for a second. We'll talk some Bulls. I'm sure you've heard all the weird rumors of, you know, involving Slack, Zach Levine, um, you know, Portland, Dallas, Atlanta, San Antonio. What is your, you know, without saying, I don't know how much, how, how plugged in you are, you know, sort of like behind the scenes, but what is your prediction? Does Zach resign with the Bulls? Does he end up going somewhere else? Is it going to be a side in trade? What's your prediction? Um, I've heard that um, Zach Levine just loves Chicago. Um, he's always been a, fa- a fan of the city, loves playing for the franchise. Um, and I think his biggest thing, yeah, he wants to win, but I think it matters about where he wins. And on top of where he wins, um, if the franchise is willing to do what it can to help take him to that next level. And that's what the Bulls have done. 
the Bulls turned turned a team from that didn't make the playoffs to a at one point the best team in the Eastern Conference prior to all these injuries. Um, and to be able to do that uh, w- with that quick of a turnaround, I think it shows a lot of promise. And it shows that you know if he was to stay in Chicago, the Bulls would do whatever it takes. And that front office has shown that. Um, with that being said, though, you know rumors are rumors. Uh, and at the same time, uh, you know, people want to get the narratives across and you have to be mindful of the history of people that are familiar and have been called out for some of those things. His agent is Rich Paul. Rich Paul's with LeBron James and Clutch Sports. That's that's from what I've heard. That's part of the, the role of being an agent. Right. So um, it's just some things you just have to monitor when you hear certain certain things within the news media. But I personally do believe. Zach Levine does love the city, from what I've heard, um, regarding to Chicago. Um, when I talked to Javante Green, he pretty much said he wants to, he's just working on himself and his game to help make sure he can make life easy for Zach. So with him telling me that, that shows that he expects him to come back next year. Um, and he is preparing for, the, for that move. So I wouldn't be too hasty on the rumors of him leaving the city of Chicago because I think he really does love the city and wants to be here. However, it w- it, he, is a, he is a free agent. You can't go, you can't doubt him for exploring other options. Sticking with the Bulls, Josh, assuming that Mark Mark Eversley and uh, Arturis Karnaschewicz do not trade that 18th pick that which they have this year in the NBA draft, yours truly has said that the Bulls need shooters, perhaps two shooters this offseason, and they need a, a, a defensive presence within the interior. Uh, assuming they don't trade that pick, uh, uh, which players that do you think the Bulls are iron on to take with that pick at number 18? Um, I think for me personally, I cannot remember his name. So please forgive me, charge my head, not my heart. But the forward, uh, guard says forward from Ohio State. Um, EJ Liddell. EJ Liddell. Liddell. Yes, I like him as a good fit. Because when you talk about the Bulls and what they are really truly looking for, our truest Carnese and Mr. Mark Eversley said from the beginning, when they first arrived, we want a team that's versatile, which means you can play multiple positions offensively and defensively. EJ Liddell is the one guy that, I, that I've paid attention to closely from a draft perspective that can do all of that and more. And to be able to put that in a role setting, especially from a wing perspective, um, when you have, I think he can be a good asset for ready players right now. They have, and the Bulls are in a position where they want to win right now. So because of that, you don't, you can't necessarily draft players that you can, you know, take long time to develop. Mm-hmm. You have to pick players that are ready to play and plug in a certain role right now. They saw that with Io DeSumo, and look at look at what he did. That's the second rookie uh, second rookie team uh, in the NBA. They can do the same thing with EJ Liddell. And if EJ Liddell comes in and continues to grow and improve himself with his veteran presence from his three years at uh, Ohio State. I think he will be able to help take this Bulls to the next level uh, on that bench role. And having EJ Liddell will not only be able to help boost the Bulls offensively and defensively, but when you talk about these trade rumors, about who they could be looking out for, who could they be potentially bringing in, trade rumors with Rudy Gobert, trade rumors potentially with Anthony Davis, things of that sort. You need to have players that are valuable assets within the draft um, that could actually that people need to see that are valuable and that could take to the next level. EJ Liddell is one of those people, so I think the Bulls uh, would do would, would do themselves a huge favor by drafting EJ Liddell, whether they keep him or maybe use him as trade bait down the line to get other superstar talent to come here. Because 
executives are watching, but most importantly, the stars are watching. And as mm. the stars are watching, that's this this draft could be a key as to see what uh, whether they want to even utilize their their options to potentially look into coming to Chicago, which is even far better than what we've had over the past decade. Absolutely. Let's talk about those Rudy Gobert rumors for a second. Everyone's playing with their trade machines and <laughs> and such. It's just you know absurd some of the trades that have been, that have been you know floating around. You know, and I know uh, Vucevic, you know Nikola Vucevic, kind of put out there, hey. Look, I, I don't know. Look, I, as far as I know, I'm staying. And, you know, then I guess he came out, out too and said, well, wait a minute, how do y'all know what I'm thinking? So what do you think about all these, you know, Rudy Gobert rumors and such? Oh, Rudy, 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 uh, Rudy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, I will say this. I love the idea of bringing Rudy to Chicago, but not at that price. And, um, and especially if you're trying to keep and maintain the model of what the Bulls are really about or really trying to uh, improve on, which is versatility on both ends on the floor. Rudy Gobert brings everything you need defensively. Rebounding, shot blocking ability, uh, defensive presence, protecting the paint. He has it all. But what are you going to get offensively? And that is something that in a Billy Donovan offense, he needs to expand that playbook in order for that to make become a reality because now you can't just do random ball movement or ball or ball movement. You have to do a lot more pick and roll. You got to do a lot more set plays. And Rudy Gobert offensively is more of a pick and roll guy, not a pick and pop, which is something that Billy Donovan loves about Vucevic because we've seen them run, run a lot of plays, especially when Lonzo Ball was running that point guard position and getting those pick and pop options with Vucevic. So if you're going to bring Rudy Gobert here, you got to expand the playbook. And also bring the right talent to Chicago to surround Rudy Gobert to pick up what he does lack. And right now, the Bulls may not have that. So if they don't have that, you're giving up something to gain, you know, what you need on one end, but you're losing something valuable on the other end. Which for Billy Donovan and the coaching staff and being an offensive mindset, that offensive-minded coach that he is, might be a little bit of a struggle. So I'm not a fan, per se, of bringing Rudy Gobert for that price because you would need the money to help surround the additional talent that you would need to make up what Rudy, Rudy Gobert doesn't bring to the table. But if money wasn't an option, I would be for it. I would be for it because we, the Bulls need the presence, and they need that defensive presence, which is something that Vucevic has struggled with trying to play both ends of the floor and like, uh, uh, like he did this past year. Final moments or two with Joshua M. Hicks, our guy from War Media, right here on Second City Sports Live and they live in color, right here on Sports on Chicago. Sid Lakina here with you. Josh, let's go to LeBron James. Uh, the story's been out there over the last uh, couple of weeks that he's interested in owning the NBA team, particularly uh, when, uh, if and when the laws of uh, the city of, of Las Vegas gets a franchise. I saw your comments on Twitter the last couple of months. Uh, should the league expand? If Vegas gets a team, the, C the city of Seattle should get a team as well. They should be together, in my personal opinion. Uh, do you think that LeBron James has a, a realistic chance of owning an NBA team? Me and Lakina talked about this wrapping up uh, the last hour that LeBron James, quote unquote, owns part of the league already with uh, with certain NBA players. And uh, we know head coach Mark Jackson, well, used to be head coach Mark Jackson, now broadcaster. He's under clutch sports. And so LeBron James owns half the league already because they're working for his buddy, Rich Paul. 
and second of all, the, you know that the NBA owners uh, are their exclusive club, and some of them do not want LeBron James in their club because of what he did uh, in maneuvering himself to Miami a decade, a little bit over a decade ago. Do you think that when it's all said and done, when LeBron retires, do you think he'll be part of own, full-time ownership of an NBA team? I'll take it even a step further, per se. I think if I think he would, I, if I was the NBA, I would do that. I would make sure that absolutely happens because LeBron James expanded the league, not just from a, a league, a game perspective, league, uh, locally, but internationally as well. You got to put LeBron James in some group to maintain your marketing value. That's so that if I was the NBA, I would do it. But to your point, Sid, about ownership and about how the NBA owners view him, that might be a block from him getting there. So if that is the case, why not go to the WNBA side? Because guess what? They're expanding as well. They're looking for ownerships in the uh, in, in their league. Uh, they're, they're looking for expansion teams as early as this year. They're trying to get something settled. So if, if you're talking about moving uh, and create increasing teams in the WNBA, yeah, you may want to go to Vegas and get one, which I would love for LeBron James to do. But if they're going to make it that difficult, you might as well just hop over to the WNBA team because we know you're a supporter of the WNBA. And you will get even more support from the players themselves. Dana Evans from the Chicago Sky told me that'll be great for the uh, for LeBron James to be uh, owner in the WNBA. I would even go as far as maybe even he, having him put people like Vanessa Bryant and Candace Parker, who are uh, who are big supporters of the WNBA, put them in the ownership circle and taking that to the next level. And I and I'm telling you, if he does that, although the NBA is ideal from an impact for perspective. And when it comes to social justice issues, when it comes to narratives around social justice, when it, talk, when it comes to improving the game in those areas, LeBron James needs to be the face of the WNBA in that expansion realm and taking it to the next level that way, aside from what he can do in the NBA. Because we already know in the NBA he can do that, and I'm pretty sure he can get into that circle eventually over time when the league does expand. But the WNBA being the baby sister of the NBA, as someone that has been vocal and supportive of the WNBA, and as someone uh oh, I think he froze. I think our, our buddy Josh froze a little <laughs> bit. But uh yeah, we'll see. We'll see if he can get back up. I mean I mean I, I actually wouldn't mind the idea that of has, you know. Oh, okay. Yeah, he keeps going. He's freezing on us. But yeah, I actually don't mind the idea of it. Well, can you repeat what you said, Josh? You, you froze up a little bit. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I was just saying that I think if you bring LeBron James to the WNBA side of things and put an ad other NBA players um, like Dwayne Wade or um, other players or like Tobias Harris, players that have been outspoken about owning, being part of the ownership group in the WNBA – you bring that influence to the WNBA and help expand that marketing that way, I think it'll be a bigger impact than him just going to the NBA and expanding another team within the NBA. I think he can do both, but the WNBA to me will be much more impactful, and I think he has the resources to get it done within the WNBA and take it to the next level. And I think that will actually help the WNBA immensely as far as them expanding their game and their marketing and getting more people to fill up those, those, uh, those arenas, which respectfully – they should, especially when it comes to the player values uh, from a dollar perspective and salary perspective uh, that those WNBA players do uh, deserve. 
when All also right, too, when also too with the w, with the the TV contracts, you know, coming up soon. I think that they like the highest I've seen is like 125 million, which would be huge for them. So I think having LeBron be part of the ownership group, I think can only help and you know, sort of expand you know the not just the the popularity of it, but sort of like it, like you said, the the cities of it too. So last question for me, real quick. Um, of course, Darvin Ham is now a new head coach with the Lakers. Mike Brown with the Kings. Kenny Atkinson officially, once the finals are over with, will be the new head coach of the Hornets. Who fills that position at, at Utah, and who do you and who do you which team do you think had made a home run with their new head coach? Ooh, uh, that's a very good question. Um, I think if you know with Quinn Snyder being gone, uh, I think you have to see really what happens with Donovan Mitchell and, and that Rudy Gobert situation, because if they choose to leave or they want to leave it's time for utah to go into a rebuild and when if utah needs it goes down that path and goes down that rebuilding path you're going to want a fresh new head coach mm -hmm. um so i will probably go with a rookie head coach per se um i don't know exactly who's out there on the table i think uh vanderpool uh, who was once with who's with the timberwolves uh he was a, a an option to look into um you know it's other I think you just got to look into rookie potential rookie head coaches, not a not a seasoned veteran, and, and a lot of it's going to be based on what Utah does with their stars. And if their stars choose to go, you need to rebuild, clean this whole slate, uh, start with a clean slate, and bring in a rookie head coach to help rebuild this roster. Similar similarly to what people like Kenny Atkinson did with the Brooklyn Nets, um, taking uh, elevating that young core to a playoff uh, team. I think it's I think it's. That's the route they need to go. I don't know exactly from a rookie coach perspective who's available, um, but I, I think depending on what the superstars do, it's time for it's time for Utah to move on. All right, you've been listening to our buddy Joshua M. Hicks. He's the sports comments for War Media and a recent graduate of DePaul University. Looking, let's give him a big hand for Yay. that. Yeah, he Yay. graduated over the weekend with his uh, bachelor's degree. Was it or was it your master's? My master's. All right, that's how we do it. Uh, Josh, uh, tell everybody how can they follow you on social media? Yeah, follow me on social media at Josh M. Hicks Media, all things war media and uh, other projects along the way in the scope uh, with uh, in the scope happening uh, podcast wise. Check it all out, check it all there. All right, we'll all right. continue to support you once again. Congratulations on graduating from the University of DePaul. Uh, great things that are ahead of you as always, and uh, great job with us as always today, right here on Second City Sports. Keep up the great work. We'll talk to you again soon. Most definitely. Much love to y'all. All right, back you at too. You. Stay safe, Josh. All right, that was more media's Josh Hicks, and we're gonna take a really quick break. Got a lot to talk about still. We got a Stanley Cup final to. To preview should be a really mm -hmm. good one. Also, to your Rory wins up north as in preparation for the new U.S. Open and so much more. And also to old school TV Monday, uh, your show uh, is going to pay pay tribute to a TV show that marries sports and entertainment as we look at it today. Uh, hmm, let me see. I think there might I might have a couple of guesses, but I'm going to say before after we come back from okay. our break, along with Cindy Brown, I'm Lakina McGee. This is Second City Sports on Sports Zone Chicago, and we'll see you on the other side of this break. At a time when the news seems as subjective as the partisan politics dividing this country, 
independent professional journalism has become a resource people need to get the honest and accurate information for their lives. That's why I created jcordonreports.com. As a born and raised Chicagoan, I know this city better than anyone. So my investigative stories are all original, and they'll go deeper to expose the truth by using information obtained from public information databases and in-depth interviews with the leaders and shapers. My future stories will introduce you to people and businesses who are changing the world, not just Chicago. My missing person stories will spotlight those who you don't hear about in the mainstream media who are often overlooked. If you want to hear my personal views on things around the world, check out my blog site, which is based off of factual information on my life experiences. There's also past episodes of my weekly sports podcast show, What's Up Cuz, that I host with my real-life cousin, Lance Irvin. So if you're looking for all this information and more, check out jcoinreports.com and follow me on Twitter at jcoin. All right, welcome back to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, along with Cindy Brown. I'm Lakina McGee. We got about 20 to 25 minutes left, so we got to do this stuff rapper fire. I said, so let's get to it and talk some uh, Stanley Cup final. It will be the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two time champs, defending champs, the back to back champs, going for a three peat mm-hmm. against the Colorado Avalanche. This should be a very interesting series, Sid, because, you know, it's, it's you know, you got, you got a seasoned team like the Lightning. You got a great, scrappy mm-hmm. young team. Well, not young, young-ish in the ass. So where do you see this series? Because I, I feel like this this could be kind of – this is go back and forth at the NBA Finals. But what do you think? Yeah, it's going to be an entertaining series. I, I believe that the Tampa Bay Lightning has a little bit more firepower offensively than, uh, the, than the Colorado Avalanche. Now, the Avalanche, they played together um, more of a of – a, of a unit uh, than Tampa, but Tampa has the more of a firepower, especially with Nikita Kucherov. Uh, he, he leads the lightning with 23 points overall with seven goals and 16 assists. And we, we, we all know about Andre uh, uh, Palat. Uh, he had a couple of game winning goals in that New York Rangers series. And also too, Steven Stamkos. Remember I told you on Friday, 
uh, the Rangers should have started that fight with them at the end of Game Five when they lost it. Mm-hmm. And you saw what happened on Game in Game Six uh, on Saturday when uh, the Lightning took care of, of the New York Rangers. So. Uh, Tampa Bay has a, a lot of firepower offensively, but I, I think it's going to come down to the power play. Lakina, Colorado has been outstanding on the power play uh, in the in in these playoffs, and so in Tampa Bay's um, de- total defense in general, they've barely given up over two and a half goals per game. I think uh, in uh, almost over half of their playoff games, they limit their uh, opponents to two goals or less. And that's been outstanding. And also credit mm-hmm. their goaltending for the Lightning, Andre um, Valeski as well. Uh, he's been really playing on his head. If you saw the last couple of games at Eastern Conference Final Series, uh, you know why one of the main reasons why Tampa Bay is back in the Stanley Cup Final. I mean, Stamkos has you know been amazing, and look, we saw you know a few a few years ago when the Hawks you know won their second you know, against Tampa Bay, he was kind of like those young guys. He's grown into such a, yeah. a such a, a great you know consistent score. Of course, you got Ratsnin from you know for the Avs. We'll see how Kadri is. I know he's been you know day to day with that injury, so we'll see how mm-hmm. he does. I think for me in this series, it is I think both teams can score, but like you said, I think it's good. the goal the goal to is going to be the key here and. Um, I know uh, Quemper from for the Abs can be a really good his shows and Voleski, as you said, like you said, said I mean, it's going to be very interesting mm-hmm. to see you know which one which one of these goalies will step up for them because they're going to be scoring on all cylinders and both these teams have a lot of depth, so it's going to mm-hmm. be very interesting to see what you know who kind of you know brings you know kind of is that goal that kind of make those key stops because I think that's going to be the key and it's, it's going to be very interesting though. And also, too, on the flip side for Colorado, don't forget uh, Gabriel Lankenscock, who's been mm-hmm. there for a while now. He's been through the uh, latter stages of that rebuild from Colorado. He's mm-hmm. been through the Patrick Waugh administration from uh, from a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's part of this current car right now. And also, too, uh, Darcy Kemper, their goalie, He's he's been bouncing around. Uh, for d- various teams throughout uh, his career. He's found a home in Colorado, and he, he's shown that he, he could be one of the top goalies uh, in these playoffs. And, and, and his uh, 2-0 record with 2.4 goals against average against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning during the regular season series uh, bears that out as well. But overall in the playoffs, Darcy Kemper has been good enough for Colorado to mm-hmm. be uh, at this stage, finally at the Stanley Cup final. Also, too, I think Sorelli, Anthony Sorelli, yeah. The center, I think he'll definitely be key for the for the Lightning too. Mm-hmm. Comfort, comfort, you know, for you know for the Avalanche, I think that's another guy that could probably be very key. Sort of, you know, he kind of fills that hole since Kadri's been you know in and out of the lineup. Um, Eric Johnson is another defenseman for the Avs that could probably be an X mm-hmm. factor as well. So there are a lot of you know there are a lot of guys. Of course, we know Nathan McKinnon. We know how good he can be. He can score and sort of you know, be right there, kind of play defenseman as well. So there's so, and Ryan McDonough. This, this isn't his first rodeo mm-hmm. in the in the Stanley Cup final. So um, there's gonna be a whole lot of you know. Like I, like we've been saying, whoever steps up, I think it's going to be key for me. It's going to be scoring. It's going to be you know which goalie can kind of stand on his head and sort of you know make those pivotal stops when necessary, and who can kind of take advantage of it early because I I have abs. I have the abs winning. I think they're going to win in six, but I I wouldn't be surprised if somehow the lightning you know gets a three peat. <laughs> so <laughs> it, like I said, it's really going to depend on how the game goes. I think it's going to look if you're. If you're ESPN ABC, I think you're you've got to be feeling pretty good about this matchup. I think. Yeah, I'll for show purposes, Lakina, I'll go opposite uh, against you. I'll, I'll pick Tampa Bay in seven. It wouldn't surprise me. Colorado would, uh, wins it. 
but uh, it's going to be a competitive series. And like, I think it's going to come down to special teams. Of course, the uh, uh, which power playing unit is going to, uh, which player power playing unit steps up. As I mentioned before, Colorado has been the best in these playoffs thus far. Tim mm-hmm. Bay can light the lamp too, even without the extra man advantage. It's going to come down to special teams and uh, which uh, defensive pair will uh, for both teams will stand out the most. Don't forget Victor Hedman. Uh, he's another star mm-hmm. defenseman for Tampa Bay as well. Some people say he should have won the Consmite Trophy when the Hawks yes. beat them in 2015. He was mm-hmm. a young stud back then, but he's a seasoned veteran as well uh, on the blue line for Tampa Bay. Well, and like I said, if you're ABC, ESPN, ESPN is going to be on ESPN Plus. I think you can stream it. I think mm-hmm. you got to be feeling pretty good about this matchup. I think you got you know one team that's going for three in a row. They're four four overall, and also you have another another team that hasn't been doing hasn't been around in a while. I and mean, they they went through a tear down. They started over. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they finally actually found a core that they can, they can work with. So and that's actually been pretty consistent all year. So yeah, this should this should be a fun series. I don't think no one's going to sweep anybody. I think this is going to go six no. or, or even or even seven. It could. I, I would be surprised if they go seven. And if Tampa shows some of that experience that they've shown. You know, through all these playoffs, I mean, we saw you know, almost being eliminated. They did it three times. So, and yeah, I know. Look, I think Paulette's another 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 guy that you know from the from the Lightning that was around during those sort of lean, you know, young lean mm-hmm. years. You know, of course, you know, he was there also too when they won when they got to the the, the, the final against the Blackhawks a few years ago. And he's growing into a great, uh, you know, the uh, you know center guy as well. So yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you kind of like look, it's going to depend on who steps up. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, so there goes your hockey talk, uh, hockey fans. Lakina has Colorado in six. George Shirley has Tampa Bay in seven. So we'll see what happens there. The Stanley Cup final will start off Wednesday night at 7 o'clock Central Standard Time. All games will be seen on ABC. You can view the ultimate bro- alternate broadcast on ESPN+. Plus. And the Colorado Avalanche will have home ice advantage for this one. This is a 2-2-1-1-1 two, two, one, one, one scenario. They never had a three two no, two three two. Thank no, goodness. They've never so, done that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Colorado will have four home games in this series uh, compared to Tampa Bay's three. Yeah. So because they had the one of the best records in the league, so that's why they were able to mm-hmm. do that. Now, our little golf talk here, real quick. Of course, Rory McIlroy wins the REBC Canadian Open, and with all the stuff that's going on with the live you know, tour and such, I know that um, Jay Monahan, who's the commissioner of the PGA, he was there with um, Jim Nance and Sir Nick Faldo over the weekend. And I mean, I, it's, it really didn't give us a non-answer on why he did what he did, you know, suspending guys that, you know, that go play on the live tour. We know that Dustin Johnson has already resigned. Mm-hmm. You know, the U S open is going to let the, the, those guys play. So Brookline is going to be very interesting this week, and, and for all uh, reasons, not just the. We'll, we'll talk more about mm-hmm. this with Christy when she comes back, you know, in with us Friday. Christy Manica for KXRB. Yeah, this is definitely going to be interesting because I, I feel like, I don't know. I mean, look, I'm sure this is going to be a, the, the talk in Brookline, which is just, just outside Boston. But I mean, that was a great tournament. Uh, I actually watched a little bit of it. Um, he had a little bit of a battle with uh, Justin Thomas. Justin Rose actually shot at sixty, which you know got him. He was a clubhouse heater for a while. You know, he you know Rory was able to uh, hold off Tony Tony Finau and Rose and Justin Thomas as well. So, but going into the U.S. Open, of course, we know Tiger is not going to play, which is which is smart on his part because he definitely needs to yeah. take some time to uh, rehab from that. Yeah, he saw in his last couple there. of tournaments, he could barely walk. It was, it was real sad. And uh, shout out to him for his uh, his uh, his uh, bravery and courage. But 
he did not look good walking on the, on those courses in those last couple of tournaments. Yeah, so the the live tournament stuff's gonna definitely gonna be the core here. We'll see, you know, how NBC sort of does. I'm sure uh, Dan Hicks and Paul Azer Azer will be who will be leading the you know the the turn the the charge for the U.S. Open. Um, sorry, now on Thursday, you know, I'm sure they'll be talking about the live tour and such. So I'm looking forward to their comments. I know Azer has been you know, has been pretty quiet about it, so. I, I'm, I'm dying to see what his comments are going to be. So it should be an interesting uh, tournament coming up starting on Thursday over a book line for the U.S. Open. Sid? Yep. You listen, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, all right. You're listening to Second City Sports. We're live in 11 color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Sid King here with you right now for the last few minutes here on the show. A couple of sports media nuggets to pass along. Uh, LeBron James, uh, according to all four announcer from our good friends over there, uh, he said in his last episode of The Shop that he, he'll be interested uh, in uh, getting to the TV game, kind of like Charles Barkley, Kenny Jess Smith, and Shaq, which uh, those guys are doing a great job over on Turner Sports. LeBron James was quoted as saying, if they offered me a Tom Brady-type uh, deal to analyze games, hell yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> Would you like to see a LeBron James break down NBA games? Well, we know he's got a great personality, but you know, calling games and analyzing games is a whole different animal. So we've yeah. seen some you know, guys and gals, you know, not be so good at it. <laughs> they they tried it for a little bit, and it says they'll not be good at it. Now I don't know if there's a network that's going to give them that you know three hundred six seventy five million dollar whatever however mm. it is that Fox. He doesn't State need the money. <laughs> he doesn't need it, so mm. you know it's not. I don't, I don't think that he just probably wants to kid a little bit of, you know, one of the ship on, <laughs> on Brady. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I could see – I could probably see maybe ESPN. I'm sure there's going to be enough room for him there on ESPN. I mean, we know on the tourist side, we know that uh, Charles Barkley has said that he probably would retire in a couple of years. So you're going to need somebody to kind of, you know, fill that role. You're assuming, you know, if Draymond is still playing and assuming that however long LeBron's still playing. We don't know how long LeBron's going to mm-hmm. play unless he wants to do like a CJ McCollum type deal where you can kind of analyze games, maybe do some college too. I know he didn't play in college, but I know he's, I know he knows the game pretty, uh, the college game pretty well too. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind it. I mean, you know, just to see if maybe he'd be good at it. I'm sure maybe dip their toe, dip his toe into it. I'm sure other networks are dipping their toes into it with him and sort of see would it be a good fit for him to do it i mean maybe for him i think a podcast might be better suited for him i think you know do the podcast route first mm-hmm. and then maybe see if he wants to do you know the tv and analysts and such does he want to do you know analyzing games for like like about two hours two and a half hours <laughs> and such I, I don't know if he was gonna want to do i don't think i don't think the bronze a little too amped up for that but i mean just to kind of dip the dip a toe dipping thing to see if it goes well yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Sticking what about with, you? Um, uh, if he's good at it, fine. Uh, I'm I'm not one of those ones. I'm I don't hate the guy, but uh, it, he's very uh, he's a very articulate young man, which is a, a very great thing to see, especially the people that look like us. But I it, it depends on what other roles that he could do. I don't know if he can sit there. I'm not saying he couldn't do it. I'm not saying he couldn't sit there at courtside and uh, break the game down. I can see him doing, like you said, a Charles Barkley type role as a studio analyst. I can see him doing something like that. But any other roles that uh, assume that he works with Turner, kind of like what Kevin Garnett did a few years ago with the with the KG club. I forgot what it was called. I, I think LeBron could do something like that as well. Yeah, I think that's probably. 
Yeah, and like I said, I'm sure you know ESPN and Turner would probably would love to have his services and such. Now, again, you know him being if he becomes an owner of the NBA or that he might not be able to, he won't be able to do that. So exactly, you know, I, I think I, I think you know when I hear some of the comments that he made, you know, oh, I want to be an analyst or I want to own a team, and you know whether it's the WNBA or in the NBA, he's not going to be able to do any of that. So mm-hmm. unless he does what you know with uh, D Wade did, you know, do it for a couple of years and you know become an part of an ownership group. So. We'll see what happens. I think it's going to be, you know, very interesting to see what what he does. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting though. Um, and some uh, stuff that just came across the wires here, according to Andrew Marshawn, this is about less than an hour ago. Carissa Thompson will host the Amazon Thursday night pregame show. There are other folks that are in consideration, but it looks like Carissa will, you know, has a job, and I guess this won't affect her duties with uh, Fox with extra two. She's got about a hundred jobs herself, so. Yeah, you know, she'll she and uh, Tony Gonzalez. They worked for together for a few years, so that that really wasn't a a problem there either. So you know, I know there were other um, you know interests as well. Uh, we'll see. You know, there 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 people are almost set. I know they've got other guys that they're perhaps maybe thinking about perhaps bringing in. I know that Kaylee Hartong's name's been name's been flowing around for as a sideline gig for that. But uh, interesting. But a good pickup though by Amazon. Yeah, Chris, Carissa Thompson is a season pro. She hosts uh, part of that uh, number one uh, pregame show on Fox you know, with the Fox NFL kickoff with Coach State Ronstadt, Colin Cowherd, Peter Schrager, and Mike Michael Vick. I don't think is, is there anymore. He's taking on a new role. Yeah, so they're going to have to find a replacement for him. But, for him. but she does a great job. Uh, she's a seasoned veteran, and, and she's a pro. She knows what she's doing, so she'll do a fine job for Amazon. Absolutely. Anything? Any other uh, sports media news that kind of caught your attention this weekend? Oh uh, yes. Um, sticking with basketball, Draymond Green's next adventure uh, is a media project. Uh, is focusing on religion uh, in in sports uh, in the Amazon Prime Video special, exploring his ongoing quest for mental health. There's been a significant amount of discussion around Golden State Warriors for Draymond Green's budding media career from his contributions to Turner Sports and to his podcast with Colin Carhart on the the Volume Network. And that's Sparkle um, Inchards back and forth. There's now another media project in route from Green, and it will premiere Friday, June 17th, two days before a potential Game 7 of the NBA Finals between the Warriors and the Celtics. And this project isn't a live project from Green, though. This shouldn't lead to any further debates about his current quote-unquote focus. Rather, it's a documentary special from religion of sports in Amazon Studios, looking at Green's ongoing quest for mental health, involving him meeting with spiritual and wellness uh, legends. And let's see, spiritual and wellness legends, uh, Deepak Chopra, Chopra, and Master, Chopra. Chopra, sorry, and master healer, well being educated, Debbie Brown. Chopra's son, Gotham, the religion of sports founder and a director for most of the, their projects, will be directing this. And they have uh, clips of it on, on the website at awfulannouncing.com. And so Draymond Green is expanding his horizons, and we'll see ha- how it does. And uh, as we said before, with other athletes uh, getting involved with the Players' Tribune, I know Russell Westbrook is uh, involved in himself in the entertainment field. We know LeBron James is as well. These players are not going through the quote-unquote traditional route anymore. They are telling their own stories, and they're using their own money uh, to back them, and they're using their own voices. They don't have to depend on anybody else to uh, carry out their own opinions. They, they, they control the narratives. They control their own uh, body of work. 
yeah, and there are there, there are so many avenues you can do it. You can do it on like 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 a, a streaming service like Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. like HBO Max, like Netflix and Hulu. And the money is not gonna money is not gonna be an issue because they'll they'll get their they'll get their cuts and such and whatever yeah. streaming numbers is. Now in this case here with Draymond, I know J- Draymond's a very religious guy. I know he's a very spiritual guy as well. So we'll see mm-hmm. if you're into that. I think you can definitely check this out. You know go on Amazon Prime and I'm I'm sure it will probably go on be on YouTube or something like that at some point if you don't have Amazon but uh Amazon Prime yeah. I should say but yeah I mean I mean look this again this will be like right before a potential game 7 so you know I guess you can kind of you know check that out beforehand or maybe check after the game you know win or lose if, yeah. if the Warriors are in that situation but this will be interesting too if you're into that all right, you're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition. We're live and in living color right here on Sports on Chicago. See Lakina here with you. Here's our last subject for today, Lakina. Let's pay tribute to uh oh, this is old school TV Monday. Let's pay tribute to a we pay tribute to old school TV shows that have made an impact that most people do not talk about. And today, Lakina, we're gonna pay tribute to an old school TV show that helped marry sports and entertainment together to help the NBA and hip hop and pop culture come together like this. I am talking about the MTV Rock and Jock series. The MTV Rock and Jock is a television series on MTV featuring actors, musicians, and other entertainers playing sports with professional athletes. The original episode was called the MTV Rock and Jock Diamond Derby and was changed to MTV's Rock and Jock Softball Challenge in year two. Concept expanded to include basketball in 1991 and football in 1997, bowling in 1999. The game was an annual feature with multiple reruns of most episodes for many years on MTV. The original announcers were professional sport, sports broadcaster Steve Albert, the younger brother Marv Albert, and comedian Ken Ober, who provided color commentary. Bill Bellamy, the comedian and MTV sports host Dan Cortez, initially uh, participated as players and then as coaches in later years. The fourth annual Rocket Jock B-Ball Jam was nominated for a Daytime Emmy Award for for outstanding game show in 1995, losing to Jeopardy. Uh, the this was here's the list of the partial list of shows. It was uh, the first uh, MTV Rocket Job Diamond Derby took place in 1990. The announcers were Steve Albin, Ken Obro. The team coaches were Sam Kennison, the old school great comedian, and Sammy Hagar uh, was the other coach. And the sideline reporters then looking at were, was Martha Quinn, Kevin Seal. Downtown Julie Brown and Jim Turner. <laughs> well, and also, too, if you look at some of the players, they actually use both MLB and uh, other players mm-hmm. as well. Some of, some of the, uh, the players, you know, Barry Larkin, Mark McGuire. Yep. Um, you know, Daryl Strawberry, Rafael Palmero, among others. And, you know, some of the, you know, some of the, uh, the, the actors that were on there, you have, you know, Breck Michaels, of course, with Poison. Kevin mm-hmm. Costner, I think this was right before he won those two Oscars for Dances with Wolves, among others. We know he's a big baseball fan, too, from Field of Dreams. Uh, rest in peace to Radio, Radio by, by the way, Sheila So Jackson, who passed away recently, mm-hmm. um, you know, among others. And on the basketball side, that was around the time when we got cable for the first time. And I remember watching this. I'm like, okay, this is an interesting uh, interesting yeah. show here. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Morris Chestnut, of course, Marky Mark, yo, then Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, um, I was watching that last night. Morris Justin was dropping a 50 piece in that charity game. I think he that played was the first one in October of 91 in LA. <laughs> he played 
well, in high school, I believe. Yeah. So I think that's probably why Jaleel White, we know how great of a basketball player he is. Yeah. Uh, R&P Luke Perry, too. Uh, Will Smith was also a part of that. Of course, we know what a great basketball player he is. Uh, Belva DeVos, uh, and also no dishes, Michael Bivens. Yeah, he was uh, busting out Tim Hardaway moves. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, poor, poor, remember Parker Lewis can't lose. I, I forgot. Yes, one of the first shows for Fox. Played, yeah, he played uh, He played uh, about high school basketball uh, yeah. at one point. So, yeah, there were so many. I mean, look, I those were so hilarious. I mean, some of the top uh, people in – also Queen Latifah, I believe, was also part of the, yeah, the rocket was. job yep. as well. So she, of mm-hmm. course, she played basketball in high school as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you had – I miss those days because it was so funny. And you look forward to the repeats. I used to you – know, I would watch those repeats, like, to death. And this was before, like, you were able to record stuff, you know, on the yeah. VCR. Remember that? You know, the VCR. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, such a, uh, yeah, it was such a great time on MTV. I miss those, uh, those days. Me too. And, uh, yeah, it was just hilarious. Of course, it was all good fun. Of course, they, you know, for charity and such, yeah. you know, the winning team would get, I think, 100000 for charity or 50000 or the second, you know, the, the, the losing losing team, if you will, twenty five grand or something mm-hmm. like that would all go to charity, for both the softball and the, uh, the basketball. And, I mean, like I guess, like I said, I, I miss those times. But it was hilarious. So, so some of the folks were mic, so you get to hear. And of course, I, I remember um, Steve had to kind of warn. I don't know who he was talking to. He had to warn them to not swear because it's going to be on basic cable television or something like that. Yeah. So that was hilarious. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was all good fun. I know, I know, ESPN did it with uh, with softball during the All Star game. I think they stopped mm-hmm. doing that. I think I think it was like right before the pandemic too. And you know, you miss those type of times, those those type of uh, times when, you know, with all the stuff going on in the world, that was kind of like a good way to like escapism, if you will, if you can call it that. Escapist yes. television. Yeah, because of yeah, the, the, um, the Gulf War, the Gulf War is happening during that time. That time, that's and, right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think there was sort of a way to kind of get away from that for a lot of people. So I could see why this was, it was such a cool, fun time too. Yeah. Uh, real quickly, Kina, I know we're running up against it, but remember we talked about this a couple of months ago, how can the NFL revitalize the Pro Bowl? Do what the MTV did uh, with the Rock and Jock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't a great idea. I don't know what is. Yeah, do like a flag football kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. You, 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 you get some of those Pro Bowl players. You can probably get some. I think they did that, too. I believe they did that, I think, a few years back. But, again, this is right before the pandemic. So, I don't know if this was supposed to be a mm-hmm. yearly thing or if they just stopped doing it because of the pandemic. But get some, you know, top, some of the top, you know, people from, you know, TV and film. And other sports, you know, you don't you do a flag football. You don't do like a, a tackle football. You do a, a flag football style mm-hmm. where you know you know points are scored, you know touchdowns, maybe field goals, or maybe you know you get extra points for great uh, touchdown celebrations or defensive celebrations. Yeah. You get bonus points for that. And sort of you know keep that same you know sort of blueprint, but just sort of expand it and also to make it make sense for twenty twenty two, but or or twenty twenty three in this case with the Pro Bowl. So and I think look, I miss those those times excuse me, where you get softball, basketball, you know, you know, football. And you can, I, I know, I know, I think, I don't know if you can do it with hockey because, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, you really can't skate very well. Unless, right. you, unless, <laughs> unless you roller hockey, that'd be a pretty, that'd be a nice mm-hmm. little, uh, that, but that'd be a nice little uh, top as well. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean, you know, rock and jock, you know, pour one out for the homie. Such great times, slipper times in the early Yes. 90s. Yeah, so you can check those episodes. They're actually available on YouTube. I watched the first one last night with the basketball back in 1991. As you mentioned, Marky Mark in the Funky Bunch. Mark, Marky mm-hmm. Mark dropped his pants like three times during that yes, halftime performance. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> and now we're looking at what this, some of these idiots do today. It's nothing compared to what he did back then. And some people were disturbed back then. It ain't nothing compared to what some of these fools do today. But oh, that's yeah, a whole nother issue. But like you say, those are great times. Just type in MTV Rock and Jock and mm -hmm. all those episodes will come up on YouTube. So if you're looking for some nostalgia, please check those out, especially for our younger viewer, viewers and listeners. So those were uh, great entertainment uh, spectacles back then. Yeah, so we salute wanna, MTV Rock and Jock. Yeah, especially if you want to kind of escape from all the recent news and such, you want something yes. to kind of laugh and be entertained. I think Rock and Jock is the perfect, you know, sort of entertainment for that. And like I said, you do you do like a roller hockey kind of thing where it'll be a nice little alternative too. It says because most people can't ice skate very well. I know a lot of guys know how to and gals know how to rollerblade, so mm -hmm. you do kind of do something like that for the NHL play NHL All Star game, but. With that said, you can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter and at Keenan Scrub McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-8-0. Make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app wherever you get your apps. Make sure you follow Sports Zone Chicago on all social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Make sure you check out our podcast, Second City Sports at War on Anchor. We're available on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And you can follow War Media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube at WARR Media. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We'd like to thank our guy Josh Hicks for War Media for joining us today, giving Yay. us his thoughts about the NBA Finals and, and his preview of Game 5 tonight. And congratulations to him once again to, uh, for graduating from the University of DePaul. And make sure you check out Second City Sports Live at 11 Color. Every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on Sports Zone Chicago. One more again, as you young folks would say. Check out Second City Sports exclusively right here on Sports Zone Chicago. Every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. All right, folks. Now it's going to get hot here in the Midwest <laughs> starting tomorrow. Yeah. So uh, a whole lot of fans and a whole lot of AC. <laughs> yeah. And also to a whole lot of cold drinks, especially water. And uh, yes, you know, water. Yes. Water, water Gatorade. Yes. Vitamin water and the uh, yes. Powerade and Gatorade. Don't know. No soda. Like, keep the soda, soda to a minimum because it's not Leave good that alone. for the tide. Yes. Exactly. So, you know, stay cool out there. If you're not going to get vaccinated, wash your hands, wear your mask, and be good to each other. This has been Second City Sports on Sports of Chicago, and we'll see you Friday. Go Sox. Holla. <laughs>